Sometimes we need a little inspiration, and Real Things Living podcast does just that. Real Things Living has a focus on resilience and connection with others. Those connections lead to ideas, to solutions, and to better overall health. This podcast is brought to you by Gemini Media. Gemini Media delivers the best solutions for business communications through collaborative relationships. Hi, y'all. It's Bridget Cutshaw with Real Things Living. Today, my guest is Kate Lund. She is an author and clinical psychologist. Can you say hi, Kate? Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me, Bridget. I think this is awesome. I'm so glad that we connected. We have a lot more in common than I ever expected. She is very resilient. She's gone through some uh, interesting things growing up as a child, and she's now, her purpose is to help other people, to help grow resilience. And can you, I guess, share a little bit about what happened to you? I know you had hydrocephalus um, all throughout your childhood, right? Yes, yes, yeah. You know, yeah, I was diagnosed with hydrocephalus when I was four. And, um, you know, it's a tough situation because um, while it can be managed with something called a shunt, you know, it also requires a lot of time in and out of the hospital to get shunts, you know, the shunt fixed and, you know, kind of adjust things. So I had a lot of time in the hospital as a young child and all the way through my adolescence, actually. Um, so coming back to school, looking different, half a head of hair, um, having to reconnect with peers, catch up on work. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was very hard. Um, but I was also very fortunate in that I had a lot of support along the way and that, you know, helped me to see what was possible on the other side of the challenges. I think that's great that your obviously your parents noticed something was not right. Right. You said four years old. Cause you're, I mean, I'm just curious, how did they, what were the symptoms of having hydrocephalus? Yeah. So when a young child or anybody develop, develops hydrocephalus, um, you know, it's essentially pressure building up on the brain. Um, and so, you know, you get very bad headaches, um, vomiting, a loss of balance. Um, you know, your eyes get uh, unfocused. You're unable to focus your eyes. Um, so just a, a myriad of very difficult symptoms that are not typical for a, you know, once active, happy four-year-old. And it did actually take a, a long time for the diagnosis to be made because I was an active, happy four-year-old. And then things started to slide and it was really hard in those years. It was the mid seventies and the imaging wasn't what it is today, right? So it was a lot harder to get those pictures of what exactly was happening inside my brain in the in the seventies. Right. It, I don't know if MRIs were around then. I don't recall. No, those came out in nineteen eighty nine, actually. Right. Yeah. I, your story is just amazing, just because it shows your not just resilience but your your tenacity. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you. I think it also gave you a positive outlook, and you found a way to be there every day. And you you're now a clinical psychologist. And what prompted you to do that because of your experiences to go to school for that? I would say so. Yeah, because I was always interested in, um, you know, kind of the human experience. And I think 
largely because of my own human experience. So I was always drawn in, um, you know, later elementary school, high school, for example, to volunteering and giving back to those who might be struggling in some way. And that I think just evolved into a really kind of authentic interest in psychology, psychology courses. Um, I started taking those in high school and just really, it clicked with me. Um, there were some academic areas that were a little bit more challenging, like, um, you know, the harder sciences, um, some advanced math concepts, I think never really got dialed in. I think largely because of missing so much school early on, but for, for whatever reason, psychology and the behavioral sciences really clicked with me and just became sort of a, a primary focus. Interestingly though, I wasn't ready to go back to school, you know, graduate school when I graduated from college. So I spent three years working and living in Washington, DC, um, doing broadcast work and um, PR and marketing for uh, several different um, television uh, programming stations, the Learning Channel and Discovery Channel. So, you know, it eventually came full circle, but I did kind of, you know, make that pivot for a little bit. It sounds like you're, when you're in that environment, the media environment, you are seeing so much stuff and it oh, yeah. probably innately clicked uh, in you, right, to, to, to learn more about people, how to connect with them. Absolutely. And there were so many opportunities in that work to be connecting with people. So you're right. It is, there is a, a clear connection. Just wasn't sort of the medical slash clinical focus that I ultimately wanted to have. And I ultimately, you know, did create and, and do have now. It also helped to help you grow your resilience to learn more about how the brain works and how your personality uh, is with experiences. And so one thing, when I looked on your side, and we did talk earlier about sports so were you, with your hydrocephalus, that obviously growing up affected your ability to do certain sports, but you you wanted to. So what prompted you, I guess, I know you tried different sports. What one did you love the most or were you able to do? Yeah, no, that's such a great question. And it's true. I was a very active child, right? And I really wanted to be doing things. And I um, was sort of a tomboy, you know, I wanted to try all the sports, the more active sports, that sort of thing. Um, but because of the hydrocephalus, contact sports were pretty much out of the question. Um, even anything where there was a chance that I was going to hit my head was, you know, kind of scary for people around me. Like, for example, you know how kids are always wearing helmets these days when they're riding bikes and skating yeah. and all these things. Well, helmets weren't cool back then, but I had to wear a giant hockey helmet whenever I was skating with my class. And oh, wow. that definitely got some, some laughs from my peers, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but to make a long story short, you asked about the sports thing and tennis became my sport. Um, for whatever reason, my parents gave me a tennis racket, you know, when I was like six or something. And I, I was always playing with a tennis ball and throwing it up and, you know, doing, doing various things. And really that became my main sport. And it became really, really important for me because a lot of my friends were connected to tennis and I was able to see myself as having a really kind of um, specific ability that um, was really important for me because there were so many things that were either hard or I flat out couldn't do. So having tennis as sort of a mainstay was a really, really important thing for me. And I, I just loved it. And I, I played all the way through um, for even for a couple of years in college. Wow. 
So uh, to me, tennis, when you mention that you throw the ball there, you're kind of connecting your mind and body. You think it helped your brain heal a little bit, maybe? I would say definitely, definitely, because, you know, um, you know, hitting, hitting the strokes and, you know, hitting the, the um, forehands, the sir, yeah, everything for sure definitely helped on that level. And I would say that, you know, each time I had to have surgery to fix my shunt or, you know, had a medical setback of some sort, I had to come back and I had to rebuild in some way. Um, so I, I absolutely think that's a great point for sure. It was part of the healing process. At that points. is, I just think sports in general it was healing for me as well and different reasons, but it's healing physically and mentally and emotionally. And uh, I, I think that's a good point. I think that's why I always encouraged people to get involved in movement or sports in some shape or form. Absolutely. And I think also an important point there is it's really important to kind of see it within your own unique context. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, what I was able to do with tennis because while I was pretty good, I wasn't the best. And I've got many, many, many second place trophies. Never did I get that first place trophy, right? But that was okay for me because I was just so happy to be out there playing. You know, doesn't mean that, you know, if I had a really bad day on the court, I wasn't disappointed or upset with myself. But just that fundamental sort of sense of being out there was really, really important to me. And I think really meant a lot in my ability to move forward. And it was connecting you to other people too, not just, right, you had that connection with other tennis players. And yeah. I just think we learn from each other when when we're on a team. Is that the right word? I must, um, I, I, like I mentioned before, uh, I wasn't good at tennis, right? And that's probably why I'm a better runner. Just, <laughs> I don't know why, I, why my body is built probably mm -hmm. as well. The structure of my. Yeah, and it, it is. It, it's the structure and, and just what your body is innately able to do. And I'll tell you quite honestly, I was not fast on the tennis court. Uh -huh. And particularly now today in my advanced age, I'm definitely <laughs> not fast on the tennis court. <laughs> and, 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 you know, but that, you know, again, had to focus on my strengths as a tennis player to do as well as I could do. And, you know, I think the relationships, you, you made that point as well, were so important. A lot of my best friends from that time in my life are still friends today. And we had the, the tennis connection. That is so cool. Do you still play tennis now? Just, I mean, occasionally or? Um, well, so I, I picked it up again um, when one of my boys started playing. And we played a lot, um, but he has sort of pivoted to um, rowing and crew at this juncture. So he's not playing as much. So it means I'm not playing as much. You know, I'm I'm at points tempted to pick it up in a in a women's league or something like that. But I've got so much else on my plate that right. I'm sort of focusing on the more global fitness things like um, the Peloton and you know walking and. I, I work. I work out a little bit on the erg here at the house. That's a, a indoor rowing machine. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, rowing is kind of when you're thinking that's physical, very physical with your upper body. Just kind of like I think tennis. I mean, that's kind of how I think of it. I'm have an issue. I don't know. Like I said, with my my uh, shoulders, neck. I probably because mm. I've had some, some injuries back in the day, falling and not having a helmet on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I, I, I had no fear as a ki kid. Um, is that, is that the right that, that, Yeah. And that is really, that's a, a great point because I had a lot of fear, right? Because of my experiences and I wasn't always sort of overt fear, but I had to be very cautious and that got I wired into me sort of, you know, and for better or for worse, you know, I'm sure there, there are instances where that still holds me back um, on certain, certain levels, but you know, it is what it is, but I think that's so interesting. So you were the kind of kid who had no fear and just went for it. And I'm still here. I'm just kidding. No, I think it had <laughs> a lot to do with an older brother who I had looked up to, right? And he's a very, was very athletic. And so I'm like, I'm going to be like him, but I didn't have the skill set as him. I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Just but like, I grew up in the seventies. Sure. You know, you're on skateboards. We didn't have helmets. Right on a on a hill on a skateboard. What was I thinking? You know, um, I only fell one time and I never did it again because the wheels hit some like dirt or something. So the wheels mm -hmm. aren't going to continue. Just things like that. But I think, um, but I appreciate that um, that I had that opportunity. And and you'd mentioned you have sons, so I'm sure you and I have that in common. We are uh, boys of mom. We were meant to be. Mm -hmm. and you can handle that uh, oh yeah better but I think it's great that you've got them involved in sports because I just think that teaches them a lot about resilience it doesn't have to be professional level but just in getting out there and learning about themselves too exactly yes that is so important because the thing is um sports will teach a kid will teach all of us so much and also finding the 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 right sport for this a certain kid is important you know or that kid finding the sport himself and i've seen that play out differently with both my boys and it's just you know so um rewarding to see things click for them and see what they're learning and see how that's um adding to their sense of themselves and their sense of possibility and 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 ability, what they're able to accomplish out there in the world. And particularly for one of my boys, I see it translating very clearly back into how he believes in himself in the classroom and That's what he's true. able to accomplish. So it's all connected, right? Right. You're um, getting out there physically moving your body, but you are, again, and connecting with other people. And I think it helps you grow your mind, your, your thought process, and to not um, judge yourself, I think a lot of people are afraid to do sports for some reason. They don't think they're capable of it. But you are, again, going back to you, a capable of you had hydrocephalus and you're able to try different things and play tennis. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what sports are your sons playing? Other, you said the one is, is rowing. Um, yeah, so they're, they're actually both rowing now. Oh, that's it. awesome. Um, one of them has been rowing for a couple of years with his school, and the other one just started at a different school. They're both freshmen. They're twins. And um, there is a really great rowing club two blocks from um, William's school. And he was like, hey, I think I'm going to try this. And we're like, all right, cool. And he went through the winter conditioning program, and that was so valuable really met all these kids, really had to push himself physically, but so, so valuable for him because I think it taught him or showed him what he was capable of. 
And so now he's transitioning to um, the phase where they're actually getting in the boats and he's learning a whole different skill set, which is a big deal. And, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm positive about it. I think, I think it's going to be great. And my other one who's been rowing for two years has gotten really into it and he's very serious and quite, um, quite accomplished already. And so, you know, a little bit of a different trajectory, but also so positive. So they're rowing on lakes, I'm assuming. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, they are each of them. Yeah. It's, it, they're different lakes. Um, one of them's through his school. So his boathouse is down in a different part of town. And then the other one is on a lake right next to his school. That is really cool. I don't remember having that available. Of course, when I was young, <laughs> right. But it, it's, um, I, I did the same thing. We tried different things for our sons just to try different, what their skill set was. And they both tried running. They're really fast, mm-hmm. but they didn't like it. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, so that can happen, right? And then right. having that that pivot to trying something else, and maybe that won't work either, but then there's another pivot and that does click. And it's always a process, right? Right. It's But they they enjoyed it, and but they didn't want to do it uh, in high school. My, my elder son did it in high school. He was really uh, a fast. He was actually better on the track than he was long distance like his mother. <laughs> <laughs> but his um my younger son got into the running um uh went into playing ice hockey which that is uh good and bad we had to have you know pay for um sh- shouldn't say training but you had to that's a skill that you got to learn yeah there's a lot of training and early mornings at the rank <laughs> right and travel <laughs> I bet you traveled a lot as a, as a hockey mm-hmm. mom but at the same, I made such great connections with just yeah. the, the parents too. My, right. And it's just a great, I call it a family. I think that's why it's a, you know, community kind of thing. And I think that's why you find your community based on what your interests are. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. And you have to have similar, uh, I don't know, you meet people you never would have thought you would have ever met. Exactly. Exactly. And those connections become quite powerful, right? Quite long-term. And that, yeah, has definitely been, been my experience, you know, over the years with tennis and such and, you know, all, all sorts of things. And now kind of see it developing with the boys also. And I, I think um, sports is is an important aspect and a role in, in kids. And Mm -hmm. do you recommend a, a certain age I'm just curious to start kids in this kind of sport because some of them are too young to be playing hockey, in my opinion, <laughs> as an example. Yeah, you know, I think there's not really a one size fits all. I mean, you know, from a from a psychological perspective, you know, sort of avoiding um, too much pressure and avoiding kind of um, targeted specialization too early is, yes. is, in my opinion, a good idea, sort of avoiding those things. Um but, you know, in terms of starting, you know, kids can start in so many different ways, you know, just by playing around with a ball or, you know, skating around on a pond if it's frozen enough or whatever. Um, right. It doesn't, doesn't have to be, you know, super competitive. Right. And that's kind of my, my husband was a hockey player, by the way, from up north. So that's what he lived. Ah. And so we tried different sports, like I mentioned earlier, but we... My, it was my younger son begged me 
back thus for him to play hockey. And my husband said, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Cause I didn't grow up around that. Uh, yes. My son only did it cause he loved it. Mm, yep. He and continued to like it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he didn't want to, when he graduated high school, he didn't continue, but that that's, um, that's him, not me playing hockey. Right. 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 Exactly. And I think a lot of parents, what I've seen were pushing their kids to do certain things. That's kind of what I was kind of implying earlier. They, they push them to do certain sports, which I don't think is good for them. Right. You know, and, and particularly not if it's not um, a connect with their aptitudes or their passions or interests, you know, that kind of a thing. If there's a true sort of passion, like your son was displaying, mm-hmm. you know, and it seemed like he was really adept at it too, very, very yes. good at, at, at the skills, then all good, you know, go for it. <laughs> but to be forcing a kid to play any sort of sport when that's not a, a match for them, does not help them um, I've, in the yeah, long I have run. Seen it. And we even tried, one of the things we tried was like baseball. And I, I found that to be so, I'm sorry, I found it to be boring because there's, <laughs> there's no um, running around involved, right? And my right. Son, I think they both did it for a couple of years. And they're, they're both, it's when they realized I wanted something with movement, more movement. Sure. Yeah. But, there's a lot of downtime on the, on the baseball field. Yeah. I mean, it's fine for some people, but. Sure. Kids are like, nah. And um, anyway, I think your story, again, is so beautiful. And I'm, I'm glad that you went to become a psychologist to help people heal. I think it's a way of healing and finding different ways. And your focus is helping parents, right? Yeah, you know, helping parents. You know, I do work with folks across the lifespan, but I do an awful lot of work with kids and families, really helping parents to see you know, the possibilities for their children who are struggling in a variety of different ways. Um, and, and oftentimes that's, that's really, you know, challenging for parents, you know, they, they get stuck in the struggle. And so to try to open that lens and help them to see beyond the struggle into the possibility is really um, a key piece of my work. And then building those core skills of resilience, um, both, you know, for the child as well as for the parents, um, and the whole family system um, moving forward. That's that's the big idea. Yeah, that's, it's so important because a lot of people, they have different kind of um, pressure now in a way that we did um, mm-hmm. when we were younger. We didn't have, thank goodness, it didn't have social media. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's another, yeah, another, I'm going to go, go down that path. But yeah, that's a different kind of yeah, pressure. We were just let outside. I, I was anyway. <laughs> yeah. Go outside and play. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of what it was. And I think we need to, I like the idea of, of being able to have a little bit of freedom mm-hmm. for that. Maybe that's just my personality. Um, yeah, no, it's, there's, there's definite value in that, right. In terms of building sense of self, building confidence, building problem, problem solving skills, you know, all of those things come from that ability to kind of be out there playing outside, experimenting with different things, using imagination. And yeah, social media has sort of shifted the trajectory on all that a little bit. Right. And you'd mentioned the relationship between parents and kids. I think uh, you probably agree with this. They should guide their kids and not tell them what Mm -hmm. to do. 
Yeah, I think that's really, really important. And that sort of evolves kind of along the developmental continuum, but absolutely sort of really trying to understand the experience of their child and sort of, you know, guide according to that, as opposed to deciding from the outside in and saying, you need to do this because I did this, you know, that's, that's not, um, not helpful. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what parents are telling what sports your, their kids should be. <laughs> right. It, it's all, it's a big circle. It's, um, it, everybody's life is not perfect. And we right. have to learn from mistakes and, and uh, move on a little bit. I think you talk about onward, how important that is. And mm -hmm. Yeah, moving forward, sort of finding ways to move through and beyond challenges as they come up, because challenge is inevitable. You know, we're all going to face challenges every day, you know, and unfortunately, there's no off button for, for challenges. And so figuring out how to circumvent, move through and beyond those challenges is so important so that we can have a sense of moving onward. And so I, I think you're, what you're doing is so helpful to help people learn about that and they have to be open to that. And I think it's so cool. Um, my last question is what did, what was the biggest lesson you learned from, I guess, having boys <laughs> just because they're boys? I mean, what is the biggest lesson you learned from them? Because you're not a boy, right? Right. I'm not a boy, right? Yeah. Um, the biggest lesson from them, you know, just how um, boys see, because I have twins, right? How boys can be, you know, the exact same age, the exact same, um, you know, sort of early exposures in terms of, you know, our parenting, that sort of thing, but be so totally different. But it's so cool right? Two very different boys who are best friends, um, who are offering so much. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest observations that I've made, um, which I think translates into, um, a lesson because you never know what is coming next with, with them. I think it's, it's beautiful. And you're so lucky to have, yes. I mean, you are, I mean, think about oh. it. It's oh yeah very lucky. And one of my, my hockey player's son, he has two friends, or I shouldn't say two friends, they're twins, you know what I'm saying? So he has four, four friends that are twins. <laughs> and they're, like you said, they're so different. They look similar. They're identical right. twins, both sets, but they yeah. have such different personalities. But it's, it is so fun to learn from, I, I, I learned so much from my sons. And that's kind of why I was asking you that question. And they are very resilient. Yes. And because they've, they've had issues. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, everybody. Right. And, and I think encouragement, um, you know, sort of from a different angle, you know, for example, I, you know, was kind of talking about starting a podcast for a very long time. Right. And sometime this summer, one of my boys, he was just like, mom, seriously, just hit record. And, and I was a little bogged down by the tech and the thought of it and all that. But then this opportunity came up and I mentioned it one night at dinner and he's like, no, seriously, I said, just hit record. And you know what I did? And I'm so happy that I did. It's awesome. Right. Your, your sons are like my older son. I started blogging because he's like, mom, just, you're <laughs> a good writer. Just put it out there. I'm like, what? I didn't ever, <laughs> you know, we were, we're from that generation where we don't, we didn't share much. Yes. We're both yes. learning from our children 
anybody can learn. It's not just the parent knows everything. And that's kind of why I think you got to connect with them. Precisely. And yes, connect with them, understand their experience, have transparency in the relationship. I think, you know, as parents, it's also important to share some of our own struggles with our kids, Yes, you know, such that they see us on that human level. Yes. And it's, it's such a beautiful thing. So where can people learn more about you, Kate? Well, I have a website. It's www.katelundspeaks.com. And that's a great spot. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, um, kate.lund. And yeah, I would say those are the best, uh, best ways. That's awesome. And for those that are listening, I'll have those links included in the description. And I loved our conversation. Okay. I did. I did as well. Thank you, Bridget. <laughs> All right. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. I appreciate your time and I thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast or leave a comment. Now go have a great day. Mm-hmm.